Welcome to the Hope New Podcast, a podcast for parents of children impacted by disabilities, where we believe there's beauty in the journey and purpose in the pain. Your hosts are Jonathan and Sarah McGuire. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Jonathan. I know I say this a lot, but I think today was one of my most favorite interviews that we've ever done, which is saying a lot because we've interviewed some amazing people. I also have to say that I don't think I've seen you cry or tear up so much in an interview. Well, yes. What can I say? They were happy, hope-filled, life-affirming tears. You know, the kind that just suddenly appear when someone says something that unexpectedly touches a hurt place within you with hope and healing? Yeah, well, that happened a few times for me during this interview. As a mom, we want so badly for good for our children, for them to be loved, valued, and succeed as much as possible. Yet our kids can struggle so much, and it can be so hard to watch and not always be able to protect them from it or make it easier for them. Tyler shares what it's like from the kid's perspective and how God used those hard things in his life as part of God's bigger plan for Tyler and has used it to bless so many other lives. So Dr. Tyler Sexton was born with cerebral palsy, a difficult diagnosis, of course, for parents to hear, an even more difficult diagnosis to live with. Yet this disability was part of the great physicians planned for him. And because of it, Tyler has become a role model for others who are facing adversity, including his patients. He has also become a healer who uses his heart and faith, along with his intellect and training, to help kids and give them hope. Tyler's story has been featured on ABC's 2020 and has been the basis for many episodes of ABC's show, The Good Doctor. He is the chair of pediatrics and a physician in hyperbaric medicine and wound care at Singing River Hospital in Pascagoula, Mississippi. So if you tend to be a crier like me, you might want to grab a box of Kleenex and enjoy the interview. All right, Tyler, welcome to the Hope New podcast. We are so glad to have you here today. Well, thank you so much for uh, letting me be with you guys. It's a privilege. We're going to have a good time. Now, I just want to dive right into your story. You know, I've heard you talk online, different things like that, and it's such a powerful story, and I just want to dive right into that. Can you begin just by sharing your story with us here? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, God's been really good. I was a X-28 weaker, and they told my parents that they could keep my body warm so they could hold me for the first last time before they buried me. There wasn't much hope for my survival. They said that if I did survive, that I'd be blind, mentally and physically disabled, and never walk. As a matter of fact, they told my parents, my mom specifically, just go ahead and you know let Tyler die. Uh, you should just go ahead and go home because he's not going to amount to anything. And so there wasn't much hope for my survival. They didn't amount to me to do much or, or plan for much. But by the grace of God, you know, I spent you know three months in the, in the in the NICU. I was born in Florida, and I went through the NICU process and. And that's where our faith became real. Of course, I was still an infant there. You know, you're holding on to God with just your fingernails and praying and hoping uh, for the best. And of course, I got discharged. And But when I got older, uh, my parents obviously knew something was still wrong. And by the time I was 18 months old, I still couldn't sit up. I was combat crawling everywhere. I still couldn't manage, you know, the basic daily living skills and, and those kind of things. So my parents, like any other parent, took me to their pediatrician and said, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out. There's going to be a, a cure. There's going to be a treatment uh, and this will be fixed. And of course, we went to my pediatrician and, and they knew something was wrong and I got an MRI and I was diagnosed with spastic diaplegia, which is the most common form of, of cerebral palsy for premature infants. I was diagnosed with, like I said, from the waist down, I'm affected with cerebral palsy. 
it's been a journey ever since. And what's incredible for us and, and our entire story is how you know God can take a tragedy and turn it into a triumph. And he did that with our lives. And it wasn't easy. But through sacrifices and, and 16 surgeries, I learned how to walk, talk, and grow. And so it's been really very, very special. But that's how it started. It, it was not an easy road. And it was one of, of a lot of uncertainty. But we learned uh, that people say no and God says yes. Wow. Now, I remember there were, just from what I've seen, I, there's quite a few points where people did tell you no along the way. You know, and even what surprised me was even going into uh, uh, working on your doctorate. Can you tell us a little bit what that experience was like? Sure. So, yeah, there has been, I mean, almost every part of my life, there's always been a, you'll never do this. You'll never do that. You'll never learn how to walk. You'll never get married. You'll never go to college. You'll never, it's always been that. Like I said, when people say no, God says yes. And I always had, you know, the desire for something as simple as being in fourth grade. And I I was made fun of for everything. And something as simple as being in in fourth grade and, and being made fun of for doing jumping jacks. I'll never forget the time that I was outside doing jumping jacks and there was a substitute PE teacher and my clumsy attempts of doing jumping jacks. Uh, he said, he screamed out to everybody, Hey kid, is that the best you can do? Quit clowning around. And that was the best that I could do at the time. And I went home that day and, and this will, this will make sense in a minute, but I went home that day and I told my mom, I didn't want to be me anymore. And she took me to my room and she started throwing everything out of my room. She started throwing my toys, my games, my Nintendo. You know, who doesn't love Nintendo, right? She took everything out and she said, what can't I take away from you? And I said, I, I don't know. You've taken everything. And she kept throwing everything out the bed itself. And, and she said, what can't I take away from you? And I said, I don't know. I started to cry angrily, bitterly. My little sweet potato took everything from me. And she said, I can't take away who God made you and the spirit he gave you that you're alive and you're you. You're a blessing. And so I took that. And I knew the older that I got because, you know, 90% of my life, my back was on a gurney, you know, 16 surgeries, countless physical therapies, countless broken bones, constant bullying. I knew I wanted to be a doctor to give hope to people. And I set out to become a doctor. It wasn't easy by any means. Matter of fact, the older I got, you know, I was always getting made fun of like a story I just shared there. There's plenty of stories of, of getting made fun of, but I've learned very quickly that you have to walk the rocks to see the mountain views and there's going to be rocks in his life. You guys know that, but you'll be amazed how God can take those mountain views and turn those rocks into incredible mountain views. And I learned how to take my stumbling blocks and turn them into stepping stones. And the older I got, the more desire it was to help people. And I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. I didn't know what that was going to take, but it got harder and harder, especially in high, in high school and in college. That's when it was really became real because people's opinions started to become possibly my reality. I've said often that people's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And if you live by everybody else's approval, you will die by their rejection. And the older I got, that's what it became. It was uh, everybody getting to tell me what they thought of me. I wasn't going to mount anything. So I went off to try to become a doctor. I did very well in college. You know, I had a, I have a service dog. I went through school, but college was a literal hell for me. I was getting made fun of all the time. I was living with roommates. They weren't believers and it was just a very difficult time. And then everywhere, everywhere I turned, college professors and people would tell me what they thought of me and how I wasn't going to mount anything. And then I got good grades. I performed well on my MCATs. I got near a 4.0 in college. And I went off to interview at a medical school. And they said, you will never be a doctor because they won't come to you. And I said, well, you can't say that. And they said, well, just because we say we like you doesn't mean we like you. Um, and they motioned, uh, he said, what am I supposed to do with this? And they motioned to all of me. And uh, a day later, I was rejected from medical school. 
And that happened, it wasn't just one. I, I applied to 20 different medical schools and the rejections, the opinions just kept coming. They said, well, we, we would, I know eight of 12 people on the medical board that will reject you because of your disability and you'll be the last person to walk down our halls to impact people's lives. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm done. And, and it just shows how, for me, a verse of solace for me really was how it talks about how his word is like a lamp unto our feet a light into our path and how, you know, it doesn't talk about it's a fog light or a spotlight because if I saw my entire life, how it was supposed to be, I wouldn't have walked down it because of the fear that I had or not knowing what it would take. You know, God says, I'm a lamp just step by step, day by day. And I just really was looking at a way to every day, look for God's guidance, step by step, lamp at a time. And he brought me to the Caribbean. And it's funny how, you know, we all have our certain plans, um, you know, to become a doctor or stay in Florida where I was from. God had a plan for me and, and it's where I met my wife, all because we went to medical school together in the Caribbean, an island that nobody ever heard of. And God really transformed my entire life and showed me that my disability gives me credibility. And the very thing that I had been through is the very thing that I can use to bring glory to him and that our imperfections, um, you know, God loves the least of these. Uh, and, and my own story the older I got, the more power that God showed me that I had a purpose in my imperfections. And I think people, if there's nothing else that I've learned in terms of sharing my story and the humbling opportunities that I had across mediums, is being able to let people know that everybody's handicapped. You know, mine the world can see, but everybody's struggling with something. Um, you know, pride, bitterness, loneliness, uncertainty, whatever it is. And my disability is obviously very apparent, but I can look at somebody else and say, I know how you feel and mean it. And I've been able to take that platform now as a physician and as a pediatrician to radically impact people in a dynamic way just by giving somebody a high five or a hug and meeting people where they're at. I love that. Wow. What a powerful, powerful story. Yeah. There's so much power in, in what you just shared. And I'm tearing up as a mom. And thinking about my son and the challenges that he faces and how I help him to work through those and to believe in himself and see how wonderful and incredible God made him to be and that he already is. And to hear your story on the other side of that is so powerful. And uh, so thank you for sharing those words and, um, and how your mom built that into you as well. Well, I appreciate that. And I think you're exactly right. I think we, as a society and just in general, you know, with raising children or, or whatever else, we all have the same hopes and dreams as everybody else, you for your family and, um, and your kids and, and their growth and development and all of us in terms of our entire desires, growth and whatever it is. And I, I tell people all the time that, you know, we all want to get to A to Z, you know, right away. I've learned full reliance on God. I know too much and I've seen too much to ever deny the power of Jesus Christ and what he's done with my life because I had no hope. The only hope that I had knowing that I was going to become a doctor or go through what we've been through and what I learned from my parents. The only reason I'm sitting here in front of you as Dr. Sexton, which like I said, is only because of the grace of God. I was just dumb enough to keep studying, you know, and, uh, and God just showed up uh, in a dynamic way. And I tell people all the time, it's about trusting the day to day. And if you just do it one day at a time, one step at a time, you know, God's going to take a tragedy and turn it into a triumph. You don't have to have it all figured out. And I think that's what people, you know, we, our family, we didn't dream enough. I want people out there to know, you know, we didn't, my parents weren't, you know, raising a child to become a doctor. They were raising a handicapped child in hopes that he would do the best that he could do, that God was going to take the small victories and turn it into something. And I'll never forget what became real for us 
is something called the Easter egg story for us. And it's one of those where my mother, it was a turning point in our lives and something that I've used to this day as a physician. But my mom was a helicopter mom. And I know I'm sure you can appreciate that, you know, making sure everything was perfect, uh, protecting me, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, we had a, a great person in our lives, one of the true heroes, Michelle Larson, one of my physical therapists. And she told my mom one time, she said, you know, you need to let Tyler go out there and, and be like the other kids. And so if I could teach him how to bend over and pick up an Easter egg, would you let him go to North City Park? Easter egg hunt. So my mom said, sure, if you can teach her to do those things, that's fine. And you got to remember, you know, at, at that age, at that time, you know, learning how to wipe myself and not fall off the toilet, that's a small miracle. So my physical therapist bribed me with some juicy fruit and we did physical therapy and we, I learned how to bend over and pick up an object and put it in a basket. And so, you know, a couple of weeks later, I took my sister and I and got us all dressed alike because you got to look alike and cute on Easter, right? So we're lining up and I have my walker, excuse me, and we're all lined up at this park and there's there's thousands of eggs in this park and we're all lined up and the gun goes off and all the kids go running and, and I was left behind. And then my mom, she started to cry angrily, bitterly. She says, this is exactly why I don't let Tyler go out and do anything. This is exactly why I don't let him go out and be with other kids because I'm going to take this crippled boy home and he's going to have no eggs. And she walked over to apologize for bringing me on that field and her eyes were full of angry tears and she looked down and my basket was overflowing with with eggs she said oh my goodness how in the world is your basket overflowing i said well the kids are running so fast the eggs are popping out of the baskets i'm bending over and picking them up and put them in mine uh, and at that moment just as clear as day a promise that was made to my mom and it wasn't anything like you know the voice out of the heavens or anything but it just was if you just let me have this little boy I'll fill his basket with blessings. It is not always going to be first, not always have all the answers, but I'm going to learn how to pick up the small blessings and not let an opportunity pass me by. And and that's just been one of those things for me now, because I've been on the other side of, of the pain, the uncertainty, and as a family, to look back as the great privilege it is to, to be a doctor to impact these kids, especially special needs children. I, I work with typical children and atypical children, but my heart is special needs kids. You know, especially these type of children is to see their value in the broken things. You know, God loves the least of these and he loves the broken things. And if it wasn't for my CP, if it wasn't for my imperfections, I, I wouldn't have the faith that I have today. I wouldn't have the total reliance that I have today. And so I, I view myself almost more blessed than is what has happened to me. Um, I always tell people, don't let what has happened to you overshadow what Jesus did for you. Um, and it's been, it's been a really incredible opportunity to be able to share that now. I love that. And I love this course, again, from the mom's perspective, that as moms, we don't always get it right. And yet God can take our mistake or our wrong perspective and still teach our kids amazing, wonderful things. Absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right. It's just about just trying to live life and know that in his sovereignty, that, you know, the, that stuff becomes apparent. And our, our job, um, and, and I'll tell you this, now that I have two kids of my own, being a pediatrician didn't make me a better father, but being a father makes me a better pediatrician. And now looking back for a long time, you know, my mom and I would speak or we'd do things like this and have the opportunity to, to share our testimony. And I would, I would listen to things like that. And, and I was amazed. And like you said, you know, my mom, incredible, you know, she's my best friend, my little sweet potato, but you don't always have to have some amazing revelation. It's just about being there and knowing that God can, like you said, take Take those opportunities and use it for his glory. And you just have to know that, you know what? I just know that uh, God's going to use it for his glory and not to try to figure it all out. Just let God be God in the midst of those moments to see how he's going to transform those um, to bring glory to him. 
We will return to our interview in just a moment. But first, I want to ask you, who is your tribe? Do you have a group that gets it? Does your support group offer masterclasses from qualified professionals that you have access to at any time? Is it a positive, hope-filled, and encouraging group? We want to invite you to the Hope Anew online community. The goal is that together, we are building the most encouraging, real, hope-filled way for parents of children impacted by special needs and disability to engage with a group that gets it. You can have access to the community anywhere that you have your smartphone or computer. It's a private group, not hosted on Facebook, and you will find daily questions, monthly themes, regular master classes that you can access at any time in the resource library, and most importantly, you will have a Christ-centered group that gets it. A laugh together, cry together, pray together community that understands what you're going through without you having to explain a thing. A place where you can be real, be encouraged, and encourage others. You can join by going to hopeanew.com, and we look forward to seeing you there. Now, I understand that you're a bit of an art enthusiast. Will you share more about this? I think I've heard you specifically even say an art nerd, if, I, if I'm using I, the term correctly. I am. I am. So I'm a bit of an art nerd. That's right. I don't want to offend anybody out there. I, I think it's because for me, one of the, one of the greatest things in my own life is, is the mosaic. And, um, it's because you know, when you look at contemporary or classic mosaics, it looks like random photos. You know, when you look at a mosaic, it's like random things that don't seem to make sense. And you, you look up close and you're like, why does this go there? Why does that go there? And that doesn't make sense. But when you pan back, it makes a beautiful picture. And the reason I'm that art nerd or such an art enthusiast, like you say, and, and it's true because it hit me when I was younger because I saw my own life and I would often wonder, you know, God, why is this happening? Or why did I have to relearn how to walk when I was 12 years old? Or why am I having this surgery? Or why am I getting made fun of? And it hit me one time I was, I was at in an art show in Florida and I would see these mosaics and I realized how up close it looks crazy. It looks disjointed. It looks disconnected. And yet when you pan back, it's a beautiful picture. And I realized that that was my life. And that's all of our lives. That we're a mosaic. And that if you took one piece, and for me, that's cerebral palsy. The very thing that gives my, uh, you know, my disability gives me credibility. The very thing that I thought was going to be my detriment is the very thing that people are willing to stand beside me and serve. It's the very reason they want to come see me. It's because I am imperfect. And I think we're in a world, the biggest humbling moment for me in all of this, um, to be able to share my story through the book or you know, share my story through, through different medias or through The Good Doctor, was the fact that now, especially as, as, as kids or as young parents, and I see it all the time in my own practices, you're trying so hard to keep up with the Joneses like everybody else. And God doesn't want you to be like anybody else. He wants you to be the way he designed it. And that is what I realized in the mosaic is in those broken pieces, adapt that or try to take that away, your picture's incomplete. And so I, I just have beautifully always said that my life is a mosaic and I humbly and proudly call myself the art nerd out there. So <laughs> I'm with you. Love it. Love it. Thanks for sharing about that. Absolutely. Next question is that we open our podcast by saying there is beauty in the journey and purpose in the pain. So how have you seen this to be true in your life? That's a great question. I think that slogan is gorgeous and it's not just cliche because I think, I, I think that there is, I always say that there's a similar joys and suffering, you know, for me, like we've talked about a lot throughout this process already about the beauty of our imperfections, but one of the life verses for me comes out of second Corinthians 12, nine and 10. And, and to, to bring a uh, preface to that, 
first and foremost is it's it's the passage where you know Paul talks about a thorn in his flesh. And we, we don't exactly know what that thorn is. As a matter of fact, it, it it takes three times he asked God to take it away. Now, when you talk about the scholars and those guys asking what it is, we don't know if it's a mental illness. We don't know if it's a physical illness. We don't exactly know what it is. But we know he asked God three times to take it away. And and God says no, right? In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he says, no, my grace is, is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in the weakness. And therefore I will delight all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me from when I'm weak, that I am strong. And that's paraphrasing. But the point of that is, is that in the midst of the, the journey and the pain, you know, the life is full of mountaintops and valleys. And we all, we all love the mountaintops because you get to see a lot of scenery. But the valleys are where we grow. And I think people need to realize, like I said, in the midst of that, uh, uh, the pain, that's where we find our purpose. And there is no test. There is no testimony without the test, as cliche as that is. And for me, that entire process, that entire slogan and that entire thing, that's my entire life, is I know what it's like to be worthless. I know what it's like to feel worthless. I know what it's like to be seen as worthless in the eyes of the world. And I mean that, not to make anybody feel bad for me. I'm not comparing myself to Paul. I don't want anybody to feel bad for me at all. But my point is, is I want to be a loser because I'm a winner in God's eyes. We are so lost in trying to pursue the world, trying to keep up with certain things. And, and we, we, we end up making choices and make mistakes based off of uh, those things as well. When in reality, if we learned how to let that go and accept what God's trying to show us, how much richer and how much more robust our faith would be and what God's doing for us in the midst of those circumstances. And that's what it means more than me than anything else uh, in terms of, um, you know, the, the beauty and purpose and the pain. Yeah. I think in, in that line, I think I've heard you say something to the effect of, and, and please correct me if I, if I get wrong, but I think I've heard you say, I'd rather walk with a limp for Christ than strut in the world. Is that that, that's correct. So one of the things that I've always said in the midst of all that is that, uh, yeah, that I'd rather walk with a limp in Christ than with a strut in the world because um, it's taught me that that's what it's all about. And I, and I wish people could see um, that and, and what he's trying to, to show us. And a lot of times in, in, the, in the midst of our circumstances, um, you know, that's where if, if you look in the Bible, you look in all of our uh, any, any moments in people's lives, God's not using the ones that if you look anywhere the Bible. He's not using the trendy, right? He's using the ones that everybody throws away, the least of these. And I just want people to know if there's nothing else that I see value in, it's people that everybody else would throw away because I, I want to be able to stand with people that eventually we stop throwing people away. And I hope that sounds or doesn't sound bad, but I see it all throughout life about not seeing the true value that people have. I, I love that. I agree a hundred percent. Now, one of the things that we have seen over and over again in our own lives, and even as we talk to other parents who have children impacted by disabilities and uh, special needs, is that they often go through spiritual and emotional struggles. You know, the questions like, why God? How can be a good God? Chronic grief, anger with God, and all these different heart struggles, heart questions. What sure. would you say as a word of encouragement to those parents in our audience who are in this place right now? I would say to anybody out there that's hurting is that it's okay to hurt, that it's okay to not have all the answers. I would encourage people, and, and often I tell you is, you know, no matter what you're going through, the, the delicate balance is a difference between joy and happiness. And there's not every day that you're going to be happy. And a lot of these things you're talking about, the, the grief, the, the emotional stricken, um, you know, these kind of things, these are real things. But 
to know that all things do work together truly for his good, truly for what God has for those who, who serve him and trust in him. That's what it's, that's what it's all about. Um, and I would, and I would share with everybody, um, that, that that is where, um, are you going to let your circumstances victimize you? Are you going to let it demonize? Are you going to demonize those processes? You know, the one thing I've noticed a lot of times is, you know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to uh, question at those per, uh, at, at some certain points. But what's not okay is to let it totally transform you and turn you against where the plan and the purpose goes. And I think that people are missing the richness. And, and, and there's going to be moments where they feel alone. They feel uncertain. But God is still there. And I would encourage people in that to really learn how to trust and know the difference between joys and happiness. Because we're not supposed to every day be happy. But we do know where our joy comes from and that things do work together for His good. Perfect. Perfect. Love it. And yeah, I couldn't, couldn't think of a, anything better to close on. Yeah, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you for your time with us today, Tyler. This has been such an encouragement to us. No, thank you. Honestly, I don't think I've seen Sarah cry so much during a conversation that than she has today. Um, it's been wow. it's been very encouragement to us in a I, good way. Yes, in, in what a you are a very powerful communicator, and just the messages you have for of hope and blessing for mothering and parenting. And as well as, you know, for the kids, you know, both with God's sovereignty and the way he works things together for good. And, you know, just there's so much beauty in it. And you just did a beautiful job communicating that. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Definitely. And I know our audience will definitely want to learn more and, uh, and even dive deeper. And I'd encourage each of our audience members to buy your book. It is uh, No Such Thing as Can't, a triumph. A triumphant story of faith and perseverance. So you can buy it in all your major book buying places like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or we'll actually even have a link to it on our show notes here. Also, uh, Tyler is available for motivational speaking. So if you'd like to have him come out and encourage a, a, a group that, uh, that you're a part of or working with, I know he would love to uh, do that as well. So Tyler, once again, thank you so much for coming on our show today. And it was just just a real uh, blessing to get a, hear more of your story and uh, chat with you in person. Hey, thanks for the privilege. God bless you guys. Well, thanks, you too.